Good evening, ladies and germs. This is Brian and Eric Don't Belong Here, broadcasting live from somewhere beneath the stacks of the New York Public Library. I'm here with my curious, courageous, and some other word that starts with a C that I can't think of right now, colleague, Brian Miller. Brian, what's up? I was trying to come up with a third one as you were saying that, and I can't do it. It's impossible. There is no third C <laughs> word, I think. We ran through them all, bud. We've used them all. <laughs> um, how you doing? I'm doing good. Yeah. How are you? I'm doing good. I always, I think my curse, my magical curse, is that I always get so nervous for the intro every time. It it does. It's like you feel good about it, and then it's like time to go, and it's like, oh fuck, I forgot how to say things. Yeah, I'll talk to you for an hour. <laughs> But one 15-second intro, I'm like, where are we? We're beneath the stacks of the New York Public Snacks Sandwich Shop. Oh, God. It's happening. <laughs> the stakes are so high. There are dozens of listeners. Yeah, exactly. Baker's dozens. Yeah. Waiting for that perfectly perfectly sourced intro. Yep, 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 yep. <laughs> How you doing, bud? I'm doing good. I'm really excited for part two. Yeah. Of our series on this wonderful book, The Techniques of High Magic, A Manual of Self-Initiation, by the wonderful Francis King and Stephen Skinner, third revised edition. I feel like we had a really fun time talking about this last time. We so we yeah, so we talked about that two weeks ago, and then we we talked to Brian Johnson last mm-hmm. week. Um so now we're a little smarter going yeah. into this. Slightly we, smarter. Slightly smarter. Just enough to be dangerous. That's what I always say. There you go. Before we get into it, I oh, have yeah. an update. Yeah, I'm actually really excited for this. Okay, so uh, people who have been listening for a while know that um, I'm probably not haunted, but some things have been happening that are uh, a little weird. We'll say, I think we can upgrade it to, you're not definitely not haunted. I am not, I cannot say with 100% certainty that I am not haunted. Yep. Okay. Update. This has largely been happening following our trip to the Amityville Horror House. Yeah, yeah. Big mistake. Once again, do I think I'm haunted? Not necessarily. Not necessarily. Not necessarily. Okay, so here's the thing. Um, You've lived in Brooklyn before. Mm -hmm. Um, And one of the the fun things about Brooklyn is that things can die in your walls and you'll pay thousands of dollars for the privilege. Sure. Yeah. but uh, there has been a pervasive something died stench throughout my apartment, um, particularly emanating from. Uh, I, I showed you when you came in. Yeah. yeah. Um, obviously not here. Obviously, and then we, and then we went to the New York Public Library. Where yes, of course yes, we yes, do yes, the yes. show from. Yeah, obviously. Um, but uh, it's a pretty like fucking knockback stink. I before you came, I, I did some air freshening in it, and I put uh-huh. a like a, a scent diffuser thing in it. But uh, and that's neutralizing it a little bit, but it's a pretty gnarly stench. Um, and it's cool. One thing about one thing that's also cool about Brooklyn is our landlord has given us a hearty shrug. <laughs> yeah, don't know, couldn't help you in the wall. That's not my not my department. Yeah, nope, <laughs> not my domain. I, I lord, I'm lord of the land, not yeah. lord of the wall interior. Um, so that's that's Brooklyn on its own. Yeah, yeah. I had a weird experience last night, man. Okay. <sighs> You're going to laugh. This is so fucking dumb. I love it. <laughs> but it's weird. I love it. I've, in fact, tried to recreate this, and I do not know how it could have happened. Okay. I took a shower last night. Okay. So I brushed my teeth, and I took a shower. Why did I do it in that order? I don't know. Sure. I do I do the same. I do it in that order in case there's any like toothpaste on my face. I just wash it there off. There you go. You there know? you go. You get a lot of toothpaste on your face? Sometimes. <laughs> I'm getting a little... <laughs> That's how much toothbrushing I got to do. <laughs> Um, so I'm in the shower and I hear a, like a, a, like a ricochet sound. Hmm. I had placed my toothbrush on the edge of the sink in a, and I also have a plastic, uh, little toothbrush like cover. Okay. Which you actually aren't supposed to use because it kind of traps the bacteria in I've there. I've heard that. I've heard but that. But also, uh, I live in Brooklyn, and I one time saw a cockroach go over my toothbrush, and I'm like, fuck that. Cover forever. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> I'll take bacteria <laughs> I'll over take the, roach. I'll take the invisible bacteria over knowing a roach crawl can, at any point, crawl. No thank you. Yeah. Anyway, I hear a little ricochet sound. The cover is still on the sink. Okay. My toothbrush is in the toilet. Get out of here. 
Wait, Dude. was the toothbrush, it was the cover like snapped, mm-hmm. closed? Mm-hmm. As far as I know. As far as I can recall. What the fuck? Now, is it entirely impossible that like I somehow, like you, you've seen my bathroom. Yeah, yeah. You see, like there is a reasonable distance from the sink to the shower. Yeah, that's, there's a bunch of very weird things about this scenario. It's... Is it entirely impossible that, like, my elbow went in a direction that somehow kicked it off? But you were already in the shower, right? In the shower. How, let me ask you this question. Obviously, you don't know the exact time. How long had you been in the shower when you heard this noise? Uh, Minutes, maybe. Still, though, that's a long time. Like, what, what I'm getting at is, like, if you had somehow position the toothbrush in an unstable way that it would somehow i don't know fall and flip off of the sink and magically land in the fucking toilet but that would happen pretty quickly that wouldn't happen minutes into your shower right it's at least i think it was minutes i did it was somewhere in between like getting settled yeah, yeah. Like no, I, I or I was definitely like settled in the shower. Sure. As far as I were, as far as at I least we'll we'll say it's a minute at least. At least at least a minute. So I, I, it's I don't know what happened. And so hang on, but here's the other really weird part. Well, there's there's three really weird parts. Okay, weird part one is you're saying you snapped if anybody hasn't seen these things it's, it's literally just like a plastic case yes. that sort of snaps around your toothbrush right yes which I'll, I'll say it's a cheap fucking thing it's not the sturdiest like no it's not like a lockbox, <laughs> but it's still in case it's still closed around it yes and so you closed it around it yes but when you looked out the case was on the sink and the toothbrush was outside of the case in the toilet yes that is that is so weird. So that's weird thing number one. Yes. Weird thing number two is what you're saying is the the toilet is not super close to the sink. Nope. So it's not just like it would fall off the edge and land nope. in the toilet. Like there it needs to be to some be propulsion. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There was a propulse incident. And then the third thing is that you set it down and then a minute later it does that. Yeah. You're haunted, bro. <laughs> You're fully, I hate to break to you, you're haunted as, as all heck. It it was weird. I got out of the shower. I was like, nope, I'm spooked. I'm a little spooked. Whoa. That's yeah, wild. Right? I, right? I will say the first thing, I didn't want to say anything because I didn't want to be a freak, but <laughs> which I it super am. But the first thing you told me when you said there was a, a very strange, weird smell in your apartment, I was like, oh. Right. You right, know? Right. Right. I feel like, and and I think what you're saying is right, that it's probably like a rodent or something that died in the walls, maybe. Right. Which in and of itself is kind of spooky and strange. (laughs) But I feel like weird smells are often associated with, you know, bad juju. It's an Amityville thing. Yeah. Oh, is it really? Yep. They, They smelled, they had a pervasive death stench. No way. Yep. Oh. I don't know if they had a toilet toothbrush incident. <laughs> Bro. What are the, you know what we should be cognizant of? Not so much that we like make them manifest in your apartment, but just as a precautionary checklist, the other things that happened in the actual haunting to know. Yeah. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Oh, man. That's cr- so Okay, so, so you get out of the shower, you see your toothbrush in the toilet. What did you do? I, I got out of the shower and, you know, I'll be honest... It spooked me out, but like I just assumed at the time, like I somehow elbowed something and some sort of freak, which I'm still not discounting. Yeah, some sort of like Rube Goldberg kind of. And like, so I was, I was enough of like that's weird, but like I you wasn't do super keep a lot of marbles, mouse traps, and springs <laughs> right not? on the sink next to here. I stop. I had to. Where stop. do you keep all they yours? Were, I keep them in my playroom. Got keep it in the playroom. Yeah. Um. It wasn't until this morning, and I was kind of trying to like because I, I was still thinking about it. Yeah. And so like I was trying to recreate it this yeah, morning, yeah. and I just couldn't see how I began. I don't to know. Do Let it. me ask you this question: Was the toothbrush which side of the sink was it on? On the shower side or the toilet side? So it was on the. It was in the the uh, south facing side. Okay. The, uh, like on the lip. Got it. Got it. So right in the middle, basically. Yes. Yes. That's so weird. It's weird. Man. What was the? Let me ask you this question. And this is a. Uh, 
a broader one. What was like the subjective feel? Were you, did you feel sort of afraid in that moment? Or are you like, Oh, that's weird. Like what? It, it was enough. I got spooked <clears throat> out enough that I'm like, eh, and that's enough of a shower. Huh? I'm going to get out of the shower. Huh? Wow. And then I, and then I kind of went off about my business and didn't worry about it. And like I said, Probably I wasn't wise. What's that? Probably wise. And then, uh, yeah, it wasn't until this morning that I was trying to kind of, yeah, yeah, I take a lot of showers. I like to shower. I like sure. to think. I took one yeah. now, I took one last night. I took it again in the morning. I don't like to get too dry. That's my thing. <laughs> like to keep it keep it nice and moist. It's just nice, quiet. There's nothing to do except think, and I like to think my thoughts. Sure. Showers are great. It's actually, that is, I'll just do a quick digression. One of the miracles of modern civilization that literally whenever we want, we can have pleasant, warm water. It's just incredible. a waterfall just all all around us. It's incredible. That's pretty crazy. Crazy. Yeah. You don't think about it a lot. but I, or I don't think about it a lot, but it's really <laughs> nice. It's great. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, dude. Wow. So death stench and flying toothbrush. Yeah. Holy the moly. The hallmarks of a haunting. And there hasn't really been anything else besides that other incident, right? Like in the interim, it's all been pretty chill. Yeah. No, I'm not really. Um... <laughs> It's usually when I get stoned that I get spooked out. Sure. Sure. Should we reveal? I think let's do the big reveal. So it is uh, 420. 420 Blaze It. Sure. Uh, it'll be um, a little time before this comes out. But on yeah, the yeah. night we are recording this, it is 420. 420. I have taken an edible before we started recording. It's not have really, to. it's not hitting yet. Um, but in the middle of us talking about magic. <laughs> it could. It, ver- it could. It very well could. I'm already. I'm feeling a little silly. Yeah, I'll say that. Yeah. Um. So uh, we'll uh, we'll see. <laughs> we'll uh, we'll Bri- see what happens. Brian is literally melting into his chair. No. Right now. Oh no. 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 <laughs> no. Uh, yeah. Let's do that. Is oh, well. Thank you for sharing. That's a that is a pretty crazy anecdote. It's pretty. I I don't know. I'm not saying it's anything, but I'm just saying it's maybe not nothing. Is your spouse mad at you for bringing a, a malevolent spirit into the house? I haven't told her about the toothbrush, but she's definitely heard it through the walls. So. Oh, she. <laughs> Wait, heard what through the walls? This story. Us, us oh, talking yeah, yeah, right yeah, yeah. now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Aye, aye, aye. Well, I do wonder. If there's, there's definitely not because I skimmed it. That's that's a that's a fake setup. <laughs> I was gonna say, I wonder if there's anything in this book that will address your spirit problem. Yeah, I mean, maybe they're. Con- I mean, kind of. So last time we got two sticky notes in, we yeah. barely scratched the surface. Yeah, um, uh, that yeah. episode is called uh, "High Magic Crash Course." Um, I, I think we're gonna keep this pretty standalone, but you yeah, can yeah. go back and listen to that one if you want to hear more. Yeah, def- definitely do, and definitely buy this book. Once again, it's Techniques of High Magic: A Manual of Self Initiation by Francis King and Stephen Skinner. Um, I don't think I've ever heard Francis King on any podcast. Stephen Skinner has been on the podcast Glitch Bottle a bunch of times. Uh, which, if you're interested in like a hardcore deep dive into magic, that's also where we first heard Brian Johnson. Give that guy a listen. Super well-researched. A little bit of a different style than ours in that he does a lot of homework and he knows what he's talking about. Uh, they don't get high Yeah, recording. Probably not. I don't think he takes edibles before. <laughs> uh, podcasting. Podcasting. Um, <laughs> but great. Some really interesting really interesting uh, interviews on there with, with one of the authors, Stephen Skinner. Um, okay. So do you have... Do you have any kind of question like is there anything lingering from what we covered last time not to put you on the spot yeah um let's see you you're asking if there have anything from last time to kind of kick us off well i guess for me like for me what was interesting about that conversation with you is i feel like you were much more sympathetic to this whole topic than i was expecting you to be interesting how do you mean well, just in the sense that I feel like for you, this is a little bit outside your range of interest in terms of like the topics and the paranormal and the occult that really do it for you. Yeah, Like it's like ghosts and aliens and stuff and Bigfoot. That's all kind of fun and interesting. But once you get into this, the, the more, I don't want to say self-serious, but just the idea that there's like magical practices that people really do. Yeah. I feel like that's where your interest can wane a little bit. 
I yeah, I, I would say that I would say that uh, is accurate. I think I said so myself <clears throat> on the last one. Um, it's and I especially like once it really gets into like woo woo territory, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I get very my walls kind of come up. Exactly. It's what I think was interesting about it is just the amount of stuff you mentioned that has some level of like. That in theory makes sense. Sure. Like that, it's we've we've looked at a lot of like magic related stuff in the past where um like it was just kind of like, all right. Yeah. yeah. Um even um when we looked at uh Blue Fluke's like chaos magic document all those years ago. Yeah. Um that is a key reference point, and I have to get that episode up on the YouTube, even if like Yeah, we should drop it. It's <laughs> it's such a key reference point for like the rest of the show. Totally. Um but like even that starts with like if you don't believe this wholeheartedly, it's not gonna work. And yes, I'm like, yes, yes. yeah, well, that's convenient. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and um, this book's approach like presents things in a much more like, look, this is just how it is, man. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. and I found I it's can I say I'm fully converted to like I buy into all of this now? No. Did I find our discussion last time very, very interesting and enlightening? Yes. <laughs> totally. That And that is that is one of the things about this that is, that is interesting. And I've heard Stephen Skinner say this in interviews. He's like, you don't have to believe in this, actually. Right. If you do this properly, you will see some stuff happen that is sort of undeniable. Right. He said, what is he? He has a quote that's basically something to, something to the effect of like, you can do like, what is it? It's like, Magic won't make practicing this stuff won't make you not an atheist, but it's guaranteed to not make you a pure materialist if you do this because you will see and experience things that completely undercut that black and white worldview. Interesting. Um, you know what will be interesting is I'm jumping ahead a little bit here. Yeah, we yeah. cast a spell. Yeah, we. I, what's the time frame on that? When's that supposed we're, to? We're coming up on it. It'll be um. It's, uh, well, probably, it might be the next show after wow. this one, next week. Let's do it. Let's put it up next week. Sure. Um, I think, I think the timeline works out there. It might be, let's do it next week. Let's just do okay. it, because I said it. Um, I guess we can, so we cast a spell with, uh, Jake. We did it on the same day we recorded with Jake. Um, and we haven't put it out yet. We didn't put it out immediately. Because we wanted to give it, we wanted it to test without any element of having put it out. Yep. We wanted to see if the result <clears throat> happened. That's right. We're not on track for it right now. No. Because I'll also say I have I don't I don't want I don't want to spoil what spell we did because once again I don't want to influence anything. Sure. But like I also haven't changed my behavior in much ways other. So like the only thing that could change this is the spell. It, that's feel, right. it feels like, and that's, that's a little, and we're not on track. <laughs> we're super not on track. So for that, for that thing, for what we kind of did the spell for to occur, and there could be plenty of reasons for that. Yeah. You know, I, 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 I definitely came into it earnestly. You I've probably came into it earnestly. I believe Jake came into it as earnestly as possible. Um, it's pretty silly. You know, we had to make do with some things. So like, A, our materials were maybe not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and we were also following WikiHow, which yeah, may not be the magical authority. Perhaps. Yeah, exactly. Um, so basically what we've learned is either we did it wrong, <laughs> our source was never going to work in the first place, or magic isn't real. <laughs> yeah, exactly. One of those three. It it's has, one it of those, has it to be has one of those be, three. One of those three. I think the biggest takeaway from, and again, I don't want to spoil it, but I do like the idea that because we did this spell, we can't do, we're prohibited from doing any extra work on the pod because you don't want to spoil, you don't want to muddy the experimental Exactly, exactly. That's, that's that's the thing. Just (laughs) work smarter, not harder, Eric. That's right, that's right. I will say, if nothing else, I feel like that, that experience definitely, uh, showed me how powerful just kind of ritual is even though what we did in a way was sort of silly like we used a WikiHow article i don't like we like you said we we did it earnestly we did it in in a spirit of respect we weren't trying to mock anything but we also were not you know we took an article from the internet and we used we made do with some props that we had and whatever but it's it had it, it certainly had like a psychological effect definitely without a doubt 
there was an air of solemnity and like I don't know. It was an interesting experience. Speaking of that, and I, I don't I don't think this is too irrelevant. Hmm. Um I uh let's see, from the time we're recording this, uh Passover was last Saturday. Mm-hmm. Uh went to a friend's Seder. Um and I I had never been to a Seder. Mm-hmm. Um and uh I still like found the like and there's a whole like um uh, ceremonies may be the wrong word, but we had, we had pieces to read sure. and there's a very like, uh, drink at a certain time, eat something yeah, yeah. at a certain time. Um, and, uh, there's a reading and I found the whole thing actually pretty powerful. Totally. <laughs> um, and like very like nice and like the way this like a, you know a, a history of a people has passed on yeah, through yeah. the things we're doing right now. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's I think to your, the power of ritual is pretty intense. Yeah, it's pretty interesting, and it does seem to be something that, as an animal, we kind of need sure. to a degree. And I feel like one of the maybe crises of the modern world is like you can kind of do whatever, whenever. <laughs> like, yeah, I yeah. kind of do what I want, whenever I want. And like, I think there can be an ex. I'm not. I'm not like a totalitarian fascist, but I think <laughs> it's possible. To get into a state where there's where there's an excess of that, and you and one can start to feel very adrift. It's we don't. E- <clears throat> it's um. So uh, Emily and I started watching American Idol. Sure. <laughs> which uh, I'll throw out there is not great television. Sure. I, neither of us even are particularly enjoying it. Uh-huh. It's just nice that it's on Sunday nights. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What it's are we doing we on Sunday nights? We watch. We make dinner and we watch the fucking dumb show on the TV. Yeah, yeah. And like, we don't even have that anymore because all of our other shows, we just catch whenever the fuck we want. Exactly. Yeah, think about that. Think about even, and this, it feels like such a superficial uh, example, but I think even that is is really powerful. It's like how people kind of miss the, the regimentation of having network TV of right. like you saw the show at the same time as everybody else on the same and you kind of looked forward to it versus like, yeah, I just binge ever. I have everything at any point. Right. Definitely. Yeah. It was, <laughs> it's crazy. It's who it's kicking in, buddy. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> Take off. Uh, yeah, it's really interesting. All right. So should we, should we talk about, so we talked about the meaning of magic last time. We talked about the, what I found really interesting, speaking of the Seder, was the uh, the Kabbalistic fourfold division of the of the world into the divine world of archetypal existence, Bria, the creative world, the sphere of angels and other types of spiritual entities, Yetzirah. Are that, these different planes? These are effectively different planes. Interesting. Um, that are conceived of as laying one atop the other, so they sort of exist in one point. All, all simultaneously. Interesting. Um, there is Yetzirah, the astral world, lying immediately above the plane of dense physical matter. I think my understanding is that's where most magic is sort of supposed to be taking place and manipulating Asia, the material world, the plane of ordinary physical existence, which is the densest plane. Interesting. Okay, right. We talked about that. Yeah, right. exactly. Exactly. And and the idea is that all beings sort of exist in some to some degree, I think, uh, across all four planes simultaneously. Interesting. Yeah. Oh, very interesting. Yeah. And I think in a more religious context, I'm really I'm really casting a wide net here, really out of my depth. But my understanding is that the idea of the soul is almost like it is the piece of the absolute, the divine world that exists in your physical body so it's the aspect of the divine that exists in in brian oh that's interesting so okay so my question is you mentioned um like that might the divine layer or whatever Mm -hmm. you mentioned like angels and demons are they are they subscribed to a certain like religion in this book so here's what no here's what i'm trying to figure out and we i tried to sort of I wasn't smart enough to suss this out with Brian Johnson, but what I'm trying to figure out is if you're a magician working in the Judeo-Christian worldview, what is your actual like cosmology and religious yeah. belief? What do you actually believe? Because these guys are basically, and Brian talks about this 
great interview. But but basically, these guys are using in the Judeo in the Judeo Christian high magical tradition. They are using the authority of God and the angels to essentially summon spirits, some of which are right. chthonic or demonic, essentially to do stuff on Earth. But they're, it's almost like a reverse exorcism. Interesting. Oh, yeah. that's a funny way to articulate. You know it. what I mean? It's yeah. like they're they're using the power of God to compel these spirits, but instead of to leave a person, it's to go do something to do the bidding of the magician. Yeah. Uh, so do they believe, like, in that context, these spirits are, are basically seen as lesser or evil beings that are bent to the will of the magician via the authority of God and the celestial hierarchy? I'm so high. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> so... You sorry you were saying no. <laughs> does that does that even remotely answer your question? I feel like it answered a lot of questions, my dude. <laughs> hell, hell yeah! Now and opened so many more. Here's where things get a little interesting. So. Okay, so according to that worldview, there's like a whole hierarchy, right? With with God, the Judeo-Christian God at the top. Um, and this magic, according to this tradition, works, right? Like these, these beings have the authority to compel these lower beings. But there's other religious traditions that also talk about these other spirits, but don't necessarily reference like a higher Judeo-Christian God, like central locus of all universal power got it to compel them got it <laughs> i can feel your brain white knuckling the handlebars right now <laughs> that's exactly what's happening just trying to process every word <laughs> it's the little people in you know that run your brain yeah. are all in panic mode there's <laughs> Red lights are flashing. Documents are being torn. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, so my, so my, my question, I guess, for any, and if we have any actual practicing magicians out there, especially in the 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 Western occult tradition, are they almost like so the so the magicians in the, I think many of the magicians in the Renaissance and stuff like that, and you know the in some of the like the, that would be using some of the grimoires that Brian Johnson translated back in the day in, in medieval times would have absolutely considered themselves Christians. But I wonder yeah. if like all of them did, or how they sort of square all that stuff. Yeah, because uh, it's also super forbidden. This stuff is super taboo and you're not supposed to really be doing it according right. to like if you ask a priest. Even though like Brian was saying, many monks and priests did practice this stuff because they could read. Right. Man. Intri- oh, God. So when <clears throat> where is that divide between yeah, yeah. monks and priests doing it versus, hey, we're not fucking with that stuff. Well, where I is that even split? The monks and priests were not supposed to be doing Got it. They were doing it, it in secret. This was not like a like a, an officially ordained activity. They were just doing it in secret because they had access. They would come across these books and they're, you know, being oh, scribes were, and translators and whatever. They were being like double bad. Yeah, super double bad. Oh, super man. double bad. But I think what they would what what if you're a magician if you're a Christian magician I'm I'm gonna speak way out of turn here I think your argument is probably look no I am invested with the authority of God as a human and a practicing Christian I'm invested with the authority of God to command these spirits just in the same way that I would command the beasts of the field or, you know, farm, sure. farm wild land. I can put these spirits to use just like, and the original story is King Solomon commanding the 72 spirits to build the temple. Right, right, With right. the authority of God. So there is a little right. bit of a biblical tradition of working with these. It's But again, incredibly taboo. You're not supposed to do it. But these guys would probably say like, yeah, you're sort of like hacking reality, like you're playing outside the the lines of code you're supposed to. But if you can do it, if you are capable of doing it and you're not doing it for harm, is that bad? Maybe. I don't know. Man, now I'm just going back to our discussion about living in the simulation and like yeah. talking about literally going, it's like, oh man, fuck. 
Yeah. Yeah, well, I think what's interesting about it is, like, I think the religious, aside from the the just more surface argument of, like, these spirits are evil and bad, and they're part of the devil or whatever, and I'm just coming through, like, the Christian, totally Judeo-Christian worldview. Like, these spirits are evil and bad. You shouldn't mess around with them. They're bad. I think maybe the deeper religious argument against it is, like, hey, man, if you believe in God, God kind of made the world a certain way. You shouldn't be futzing with it via these other forces that you're not really supposed to have access. Like, you're not supposed to be you're going not, into the source code in that, that way. That door's fucking closed. We put a lock on the door for a reason. Yeah, but Ex- I picked it. Exactly. Like, not only is it potentially dangerous to you, but you're also just not supposed to be fucking around with the gully works in that way. Imagine them, like, catching us picking a lock. We're like, well, now the door's not locked. Yeah, but we... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So the, you said this one's fine. Yeah, yeah, but we... Uh, we yeah, because we unlocked it. <laughs> Yes. So it's fine now. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. We got to get some lockpicks, baby. Got to get some, Well, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. This We always come back here. <laughs> I don't, I'm scared to pick the lock. You want to pick the lock? I don't want to. I'm scared to pick the lock. Well, now my apartment smells like shit. That's, <laughs> that door sucked. <laughs> I want to put that back in that door. I hate that yeah, door. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You would love your toothbrush to not be in the toilet. Who took this fucking bad luck off this damn what door? Is, what is funny about that idea, if like that is, uh, if that is, what a petty. <laughs> well, it's just like it's very rude, <laughs> you know. Like I'm gonna throw your fucking toothbrush no, in the to, door. Because like, there's no coming back from that. You can't ignore that that happened. No. So no. like, you gotta go. You have to be like, well, now I have to go get a fucking toothbrush. Yeah, exactly. I have to do that tomorrow. Literally, I have to do that tomorrow or not brush my teeth. Yeah, that's your only choice. And fuck. What a fucking dick move, ghost. Hey, ghost. How about... Hey, ghost. If there's a ghost right here, right now, I'm talking to you. Do nice things for me. Please. I'm only human. There, there you go. And hanging on by a very thin thread. <laughs> and like, having to go get a toothbrush yeah. tomorrow well, would stink. My toothbrush... You've already blown out my toothbrush budget for the month. Shit gets expensive, man. one toothbrush every quarter. <laughs> Quick aside, how often are you supposed to replace a toothbrush? Three months. Every three months? I think so. Okay. How long do you have this one for? A couple weeks. Oh, yeah. You're, you're way early. Yeah. It's, well, now, now, my, <laughs> now my toothbrush rhythm buying is all yeah, off. Everything's all everything's all askew. Aye, aye, aye. Brian, aye, aye, aye. would you like, if you are interested in picking the locks, are you interested in learning about chapter two, the first steps in magic? Yes. So I'll just read it. I'll just read the first sentence. Hell yeah. It is apparent that one cannot become a practicing occultist until one has somewhere to practice a quote unquote magical temple of one's own. This does not mean, however, that the would-be magician has to waste his or her substance in purchasing a disused chapel or castle, though that would be red. That's me saying that. I do want that. Yeah. I want one of those. That would be pretty sick. We need a Patreon, and we need people to listen to this show. have a chapel or castle. Please donate $100 million a month for no additional work on my part. (laughs) Just to have an occult villa. We deserve it, Eric. Our podcast is great. <laughs> it's pretty, it is pretty good. It's pretty good. <laughs> Nor does he even have to have a room especially set aside for occult purposes. All the better if he can, of course, but with a little effort, a perfectly ordinary bed sitting room can be adapted to the secondary function of being a magical temple. Well, you know, my, my wife tends to use this room for witchy stuff. You got, you got a shelf here full of materials. That's true. And you got a bunch of other materials stored messily over here oh i didn't even real i didn't realize that that's what that we were actually sitting in a, some sort of occult uh, laboratory i uh believe that to be the case my friend wow step one complete done. already complete get me to step two motherfucker <laughs> wow <laughs> oh that's right oh that's right tone of this show is gonna go antagonistic yeah this is bully brian and eric uh I'm quite intimidated. Hey, motherfucker, want some drugs? Yeah. I'm so high. (laughs) Oh, this is going to be unlistenable. I think it's great. I think we're doing great. 
So basically, he goes into what you need to do to, and it's gonna, it's gonna. I think it's gonna vary by tradition. Once again, this is in the, like the Western eco, esoteric high magic tradition, and basically, it talks about adorning each of the directions is associated with an element. So it does come back, which is kind of interesting. It comes back to the elements quite often. So earth, wind, fire, water. Uh, each of those is associated with a cardinal direction, north, south, east, and west. I am blanking on which one is which, but okay. that's why you got to buy the book, baby. That's... I'm not, not giving, giving you the away. crucial details of beco- if you really are serious about becoming a wizard, please buy Techniques of High Magic, Emmanuel Self Initiation, Francis King, and Scott Skinner Third Revised Edition, or really any of the editions. I'm sure are great. We don't even have an affiliate link, but you should buy the book. It's I excellent. love. I love the idea that our podcast completely by accident becomes an unofficial audiobook for this. <laughs> Just like actually they pay us to stop talking about their works. <laughs> Just don't mention us again. That that would be excellent. Hire us to do the audiobook. <laughs> Brian will get super high before the next every chapter. Hire us to do the fucking audiobook. Eric, Eric, can I offer something for the both of us? Go ahead. This is dead serious. It's on the podcast. This is written in digital blood eric and i will do the if if an audiobook has not been done and is available on websites like audible.com eric brenner and i will perform the audiobook of this for free that would be very funny if we had a career doing the audiobooks to these like very serious scholarly works on technical magic if you got no audiobook right now What's it? Why not? Why not? Just what do you one? have to lose besides the dignity of your work? <laughs> yeah. And that's it. That's it. That's, that's really it. it. That's, that's really it. That's really it. And depending on who you talk to, I mean, so that actually would be great. <laughs> that would be Spooky great. Brian Eric at gmail.com. Heck yeah. That offer is, I think it doesn't, it doesn't expire. No, that's, that's good into perpetuity. I think. Yeah. Wherever audiobooks are sold. <laughs> okay. So, all right. So let's get, let's get back to this. So they talk about basically creating a, a quote unquote temple, which is just a dedicated space right. to practice this stuff. And the, the elements of it are basically, you need to, you need to adorn the directions and that doesn't even need to be permanent. There are symbols for each element. And those actually are, I can tell you what those are. Earth is a square. It's yellow square. Water is a is a silver crescent, kind of like a moon sitting on its sitting on its side. Uh, air is a blue circle. Fire is a red triangle, and then there's spirit, which is a black ovoid, just like an oval, essentially. Oh, um, and you can you can more or less put those on like you can like paint those on cards. Even says and just sort of hang them up when you want to do some stuff. Interesting. Essentially, recommends a robe. Some kind of uniform, basically. So you're putting on a different set of clothes when you do this stuff. And also recommends uh, a notebook. Basically a notebook to record exactly like you're talking about with the little experimental spell we did that we're not going to divulge until it's time. Uh, So stay tuned for that. (laughs) Uh, Basically the cause and effect. Like, did I... Okay, on this date, I did this thing. I said this was going to happen. Did anything happen on the date? I said it would or whatever. Did I right. notice anything? So right. sort of a little experimental scientific journal to be tracing cause and effect. Right. Interesting. So those are the those are the basic elements. Yeah. Can I also just say it's what I think is interesting is the, because we also saw that in, uh, you'll hear it in the upcoming episodes, something about in when we try to cast a spell, changing into robes or something or some sort of dedicated magic doing outfit. Mm-hmm. Um, comes up a couple of times. Like, that is considered a serious one. And man, there's something to ritual again. Totally. Of, totally. like, both maybe, maybe is something that magic taps into, or maybe for the mental state of it. Yeah, or maybe both. Or, or maybe, maybe they're, both. Or maybe they're, not that, maybe they're not different, or I don't know. I mean, every single world religion, the priest wears Fuck. a... Di- he doesn't just wear a t-shirt and short. Like, he wears a different thing than everybody else. It's like that's, and I grew up Catholic, and that's the first time it's like occurred in my brain that that's not just like a costume. <laughs> Welcome aboard. That the documents them the 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 um, what's a document of that you wear? Go on. Eric, I'm thinking of a word. It's not just clothes. Garment. 
I feel like it's also <laughs> a document is some sort of text or a pay, uh, you yes. know, a written artifact. Yes. But one that you wear. <laughs> a document that you wear. Garb is fine. <laughs> sure. Are you, are you thinking of like a written thing that you no. wear? Okay. No, no. This is purely in the realm of clothes. The idea <laughs> that... <laughs> the, I think it was Garmin. <laughs> I used to think it was Garmin. I think you nailed it on the first we should, try. If you're listening and you're aware of a document that you wear, please write us at... Uh... I, no, I think you got it. I think it was Garmin. <laughs> okay. The idea that the garments themselves would also be sacred in some capacity or part of it, part of it. Yeah, yeah. Didn't cross my mind. It Im- makes a lot of sense. Important. I mean, in the in the grimoires, there's like very, very specific instructions about uh, what you should wear. Like there's a, one of the famous things is like a lion skin pelt and a crown and all the all of this stuff. And in the context of the of the of the grimoires, which again are, are essentially manuals for summoning and commanding spirits. All of this has a has a purpose, and and a lot of the purpose kind of boils down to projecting an air of authority and using mm. symbols that the spirits would recognize. Interesting. Like when you summon them, you basically are almost tricking them into being like, "Holy shit, this guy's like some kind of very powerful king who's commanding me to do stuff." Oh, dude, that's fucking wild. Yeah, it's very, it's really that's, interesting. Who boy. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah, so you're literally almost like role playing as a you're, fucking you're, super powerful king wizard. So you were sort of like catfishing, <laughs> in a way. Yeah, yeah, sort of. Yeah, sort of. You're like putting out the call into these into the into these other planes of existence. That's so dangerous. What if they don't? Absolutely. Buy it? <laughs> well, a hundred percent. What that's if they get offended? Of, yeah, absolutely. I think that's one of the dangers of this whole. If you're if you're Taking this at its worth, right? You're, right? you're buying in. You're believing this is real. Yes. I think that's one of the real dangers of doing this stuff. And that's why you have a magical protective circle that's consecrated in a certain way so they can't actually get to you. Uh, Whoa. Yeah. No, it's, it's that's really- so important. It's super hardcore and intense. And it's not, it's certainly not. I mean, and that's what we did touch on. I don't mean to keep referencing another episode, but in the Brian Johnson interview, I think he, he expressed some- he said he's never been in a situation that would warrant doing any of those operations. And I think that's a little bit of a, of a reference to the fact that it's like, it, you can fuck it up and it's not good if you do. Right. Again, if you believe that this is, that something is actually happening, that this is a real thing that does something, uh, that, it, that there can be really negative results if you, if you fuck it up. Weird. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You're essentially, according to this, you are summoning forth super powerful, uh, non-material beings to do shit for you. And yeah, they could not like that. All right. I'm going to think about that next time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so any, but what's interesting about this book is this book really eases you in. This is really about that. That is probably, that's the like graduate level, like working with entities is probably like the graduate level of magic. And there are phases and steps before that and up to that that you can stay in forever um got it or just or or play around and and the first one uh that they talk about is once you have your temple set up and again get the book if you want the full instructions on like how you're supposed to do that uh is divination divination as as magic right um and i think we talked a little bit last time about some of the sort of the the laws of magic or or what the beliefs around magic were and one of the premises of magic is that there is a, a function of like correspondences there's a system of correspondences in reality like the idea of like the hair of the dog that bit you kind okay. of kind of deal yeah and i think part of and i was sort of wondering is like why is divination, how is it that divination is a part of magic? Like what connects them? And I think the idea is that you are, you, you are sort of like tapping into the system of correspondences to make predictions that if everything is connected in some way, then what happens in the tarot deck or what happens in the I Ching drawing or whatever system of divination you want to use is actually representing 
the like in the microcosm is the macrocosm. Like reality is being represented in this tarot draw or whatever. Huh. That's who oh, the images in my head are like psychedelically intense. Of what do that. you, what do you got? I, it, how to articulate it's, I mean, it's just wild. Like I'm just, it's, <laughs> it's the kind of stuff that I imagine painted on the side of a dude's van, you know? Oh, hell yeah. Hell <laughs> like yeah. it's that kind of like imagery as you explain this to me. Is it just you holding a sword aloft that's being struck by lightning while you ride a sick dragon? God, I want to do that so bad. I think, yeah. <laughs> I think, yeah. <laughs> I'm trying. Oh, here we go. This is the, I'll just go back and, uh, let me see. Yeah, here we go. This was the fourth, the fourth sort of principle of the magical belief system. The universe is not a mixture of chance factors and influences, but an ordered system of correspondences and that the understanding of the pattern of correspondences enables the occultist to use them for his own purposes, good or ill. So I think that for me, that's sort of the explanation of why divination is the first step in this and how it connects to everything else that, that follows. Yeah. Interesting. Let me ask you a question. Do you, do you have any experience with any sort of like techniques of divination? Any like, um, my wife is into tarot. Uh huh. Um, and then apart from that, not beyond a heads or tails. Should I do X or Y? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, you know, myself personally, no, I haven't really messed with it. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. I don't even like, I don't even enjoy having it done for me. Interesting. Why do you think it's just like bullshit? It's, for lack of a better word yeah kind of interesting um it's yeah i can't quite articulate why it kind of bugs me it's not it's not quite like nervous about it or scared about it uh-huh. i'm just like because i <laughs> it's either you're cold reading me if you don't know me sure, or sure. you know me and like you just because because I don't believe in that layer of it, so you kind of just get to tell me what you want to tell me. Hundred percent, you know. Percent, yeah. I think there can be an element of like in that way, almost like self indulgence is too harsh of a word. But like yeah. you're saying, it's like the person if they're super into it can just be kind of telling you what they think sounds deep or smart or whatever. like that possibility is certainly there. You know, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. Um, yeah, I've just never messed with it that much. Interesting. I've had one, uh, my girlfriend is super, is pretty into it too. And I had one pretty crazy experience with it. And what was interesting with this is it was like, it was a self draw. Like I did it, like I did the pattern or whatever and like looked at the symbols and it was, uh, shortly after I had like quit drinking and shortly before I was going to, uh, graduate from my graduate program and basically the draw, I forget the exact cards and symbols, but basically like doing the interpretation of them. And again, this is not proof of anything, but it was just a striking occurrence. It was basically like, it was the, I think the devil card upside down, which can represent like freedom from literally some addiction or bondage or whatever. And then the other one was like a choice point. Like you are ending some big phase of your life is ending. And now you have these like new opportunities in front of you. And again, they're all so broad. So if you want to be a skeptic about it, you can say like, you can fit that to any life situation. But I just remember in that moment it being like a very sort of powerful sure. kind of crazy experience. The kind that I think we've had a couple of times in different where it's like, this is kind of a nothing. Like if you just explain what this is, it sounds like nothing. But when you're in it, you're like, this feels meaningful. You know what? I'm just thinking out loud here. I wonder if there's an element in those things. If it really is like just you're taking the broad symbols and constructing a narrative with them. Yeah, I yeah. wonder if it does almost help someone in the most like uh, generous way, like articulate something to themselves that they didn't even know they'd been feeling. A hundred percent. So even if there isn't like a magic level to it, that can be meaningful. For yeah, you sure. see the, these external representations of symbols of maybe that are something inside you that you can't exactly that. I mean, I think even if you knew it, you couldn't articulate it exactly. To or yeah, you don't even recognize it until you right. see it outside of yourself. Right. Um, yeah, I think Emily. When there was an episode in the in the archive, uh, in the vault, where I think Emily did a reading for us she, uh, she, she maybe did one for you 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think she was talking about it almost as like as like an occult like Rorschach test. Yes. Which I think makes a lot of Yes, lot definitely. Of sense. Um <clears throat> and it's yeah, like I remember that episode and you kind of saying like, oh shit, something she did say like really did resonate. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um Yeah, like it I can I mean it's definitely it's certainly without a doubt powerful for lots of people. Yeah. And like that doesn't come from nothing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 100%. Um so yeah, so he so they go into a lot of different what's interesting about this too is they have a lot of he they present a lot of different systems of divination. So tarot is one um there's basically they're they're actually sort of fairly complicated, so I'm not going to try to um I'm not going to try to explain them, but basically there's there's a a technique of divination called geomancy where you basically take a box full of earth and then you like make a random number of dots in it and then the number of dots course like you do something to that number it's kind of like a numerological thing and then you get signs hmm. that are that are not dissimilar to like tarot cards so there's like interesting okay you know so i won't i won't read them all but all of the all of the signs um i'll just i'll show you the book it's like they just correspond to different things like loss or gain or what's in in those in that so yeah they literally look like some of them look like stick figure men or yeah yeah yeah. um is it as if fate is guiding your hand into those there's basically a system of doing a random number of dots and then that number corresponds to like a one or a two. It's almost like a like a binary code that comes out of the of the numerology. It's it's fairly complicated. I tried I skimmed this a couple times. Um it's maybe so, it's something we could do on the show at some point if we want to do an experiment with yeah. geomancy. But it's yeah. just it's just the the point is that there are there are many different method i mean divination as a practice is one of the most like widespread cultural like any almost any culture in the world has a method of div- of trying to tell the future yeah and they're all pretty different and pretty interesting so this samples a couple of them they talk about the eaching a little have you have you ever read about the eaching? no so the eaching is a chinese method of divination um that is super interesting that's like literally like binary code like zeros and ones uh and just this whole method of prophecy whatever Re- really neat stuff so they, they get into that um yeah let me let me skip ahead a little bit uh oh this is sick chapter seven making and consecrating your elemental weapons yes 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 go sir this is this is where we're at this is where we're at so okay so like i said before and this is something i haven't totally wrapped my wrapped my head around in terms of like i'm trying to understand in the broader sense the sort of whole system of western magic which is obviously a big project but again a big theme that keeps coming up is the four elements earth wind fire and water so like you were saying in the beginning you consecrate the temple based on the directions which corresponds to the elements so i don't know if you've seen these will probably um be familiar to you but the four suits of the tarot right yeah the wand dagger the cup and the pentacle those correspond to actual occult tools and those tools all correspond also to an element. Interesting. So the practicing wizard actually creates and manipulates all of those tools to do different things in the context of their practice. Interest. Very interesting. Yeah. Wow, 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 wow. So the wand is fire, the dagger is air, the cup is water, the pentacle is earth. Um So I'll just read this first paragraph. The elemental weapons are the four basic instruments of the magician and are representative of the four alchemical elements, earth, water, air, and fire. The attributions of the weapons to the elements has for a long time labored under the inscriptions given by the Golden Dawn, which associate them as follows, wand, air, dagger, fire, cup, water, pentacle, earth. Um, Oh, interesting. So this next paragraph says, however, this incorporates a blind and in fact, If these attributions are considered in depth, it will be seen that for some reason, the two active weapons, the dagger and the wand, have been interchanged. So I guess the the wand is supposed to be air and the dagger is supposed to be fire. We're getting deep into the weeds. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know what the... 
what the real deal is. But all of those, so all of those tools have basically functions and um, elemental significance. And other sort of, and other sort of meaning inside the ritual. So it gets in. There's actually there's very they have colors associated with them. Um, it is worth mentioning. All this was a, this was an interesting note that I found. It's worth mentioning at this point that the dagger is in no way the same instrument as the sword, although although both are referred to fire. Both are very similar fighting weapons. The dagger is attributed to Tifereth, the sun, and is one of the four element elemental weapons. Whilst the sword is a separate weapon attributed to Geborah, Mars, and has no part to play in the elementary magical work, not being called upon until something of the order of a full evocation is in hand. So the sword, so you'll often see, um, the only reason I'm mentioning that is you'll often see inscriptions or just descriptions of wizards doing full like evocation stuff with spirits and things. And for that, they use an actual like full sword, whereas the dagger is a different, different deal. So there's methods. I played here. D&D. I, yeah, you get the. There's yeah, a difference. Yeah, you get the deal. Yeah, you get the one. Deal. One only does a fucking D4. Fuck that. Give me that D8. <laughs> Hell yeah. So this is just this is an illustration of just the the four things on the sword, um, and there's instructions on how to make them. The alt the altar you need for each thing. I'm not gonna read through all of them, um, but you can basically see. There's a real like system and and method mm. at play and like sort of tools of the trade, I guess. Um, and there's a there's a real sense of like, oh no, there's there's an actual tradition here of stuff that people did and do, and and a lot of this stuff is is quite old. That's one other thing that I'm that I'm kind of curious about and trying to figure out uh, is like, where did this stuff come from? Where did these practices originate? I think some of it, some of it's like Babylonian, some of it's Egyptian, some of it comes from the ancient Greeks, but I'm not totally sure. I don't know that people yeah. know necessarily either. Huh. 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 <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> Can I express a disappointment to you? Sure. Elemental weapons. I was definitely thinking like cool fire sword. Yeah, like it does. You make it catch on fire. Yeah, and uh, I was a little disappointed to find that to be like a cup. <laughs> what do I do with it? What do I put in here? Hey, hey. What do I even do with this? I listen. It's not that I don't. It's not. That, I'm not mad. <laughs> I'm just now. My heart got set on a fire sword. <laughs> it's not wrong. What you want is not wrong. I will say that's actually an interesting thing of like, there are some wild claims inside of, of, uh, you know, the practices of, of ritual Western esoteric magic, but you're not gonna find, there are no fireballs. There's no like flaming swords. It's all pretty subtle. And so like, here's, here's another thing though. If this wasn't real, if this wasn't, why not just throw in the fireballs? <laughs> exactly. You know. Yeah. I mean that. I mean that in a point in this book's favor. <laughs> right. Why not just make some shit up? Right. Exactly. You'd think, you'd think it'd almost be more interesting, though. Though. Maybe it's too over the top, and it becomes. Would it? You know. Yeah. Do they need to stay subtle in order to say to, like ambiguous enough for people through the generations to be like, yeah, I believe in it. Yeah. And the same people can look at the same event and just go, no, that just happen that way yeah exactly exactly because like enough people would eventually not make a fucking fireball and it was like <laughs> yeah no that's right that's right yeah so uh, yeah i don't know um like did that stuff naturally weed itself out i'm sure there were there were and probably are you know hucksters and charlatans who made some pretty fucking outrageous wild claims i mean i will say even in outside the context of of magic like within uh like mystical religious traditions like some some sects of tibetan buddhism and stuff there's there's this idea of like superhuman powers right that very spiritually advanced meditators and stuff can achieve like going invisible and flying over great distances and all sorts of shit like that, that are like, that are super out there, yeah. whether you believe them or not. They're, they're very dramatic. 
claims. Yes. Uh, and you don't see... I guess some of the grimoires, like there's things of like turning invisible or like there's there's some sort of dramatic effects that it, it is claimed one can one can achieve. I don't know. But most of it is pretty... It's like we were talking... It's like finding treasure or making someone fall in love with you or doing just doing a thing in reality that could maybe happen anyway, but you're using sort of extraordinary means to to do that. Yeah. Woof. <laughs> Woof. So there's a ch- there's a chapter on making talismans which are interesting. Um It's funny, man. This is like it's there's so, and one thing I'm not exactly wrapping my brain around and maybe it's just cuz I'm not a practitioner and I'm like skimming through one of these books, which is a, again, deep work, pick it up, techniques of high magic. Uh I kind of struggle to f- see how all this stuff is like linked together. Like how does the divination connect to the talisman? Sure. Like, how do the, like why is it that they, what's the mechanism by which a, a necklace around your neck confers some benefit to you? Like how, how and yeah. why is that? I guess it goes back to the system of correspondences and the, and that kind of idea, yeah. but I don't exactly know. Um, but they do tell you about that. So let's go. Oh, this is, dude, this is something that we can try on the show. Oh, man. At We're at about point. an hour. Should we, uh, <laughs> let's, so let's hear about this and close out on that. Sure. Sure. Great. Uh, we got a part three of us for sure. Dude, this is a, this is a long, this is a, this is a big old book. So this is chapter 10, astral projection in theory and practice. Okay. Oh, love and in practice. Love and in practice. So have you heard of, have you heard of astral projection at all? That is some level of like leaving your physical body. Correct. Correct. So it's basically a method. So we, so we talked about those four planes that are described as part of like the cosmology of this belief system. It's basically a method of interact like traveling to those planes and it's theoretically something that anyone is capable of doing all right you know what i mean yeah should you want to try a little astral projection at some point in the future 100 percent. i think we should try i think we should give it a whirl and this book actually does have really good instructions on how to do it a safe way a not so safe way do you um, have do you have enough in your brain of like an overview of how it works you basically i haven't i have a little let me see if I could find it here. Um, you basically want to enter into like a quasi sleep state and more or less visualize yourself leaving your body. So I'll just read this paragraph really quickly. The idea that each human being has an astral body capable of separating itself from the physical body and engaging in astral journeying is very old. Ancient Hindu writings describing the eight cities, magical powers obtained through the practice of yoga refer to one of them as the power of flying through the air. This almost certainly refers not to physical levitation, but to astral travel. And so they they cite other examples of it. Um, Let me see here. Yeah, I can't. You know what? I'm not coming up with like the clear off the off the top of my dome. The we'll clear have to do a whole method. show on it. We'll have to do a whole show on it. But there's a, there's an instruction manual on how to on how to do some of this stuff. Hell yeah. Um, anyway, yeah, this is we're like not even halfway through this book. It's so dense. There's so much material in there. It covers. If you're interested in just a broad overview of like when people talk about wizards and magic and what like the fuck does that even mean? <laughs> what does that entail? This book gives you a soup to nuts. Uh, very good. I don't even want to say summary because it's more than a summary. It's a very good guide to all of it. If you're interested in it from an academic standpoint, which I am, or you're like, hey, I'd like to try this stuff. This this is like a good starter's manual for sure. Hey, that's us. <laughs> that's yeah. There you go. There you go. Nice. Nice. Yeah, I, th- I think that's. I think that I'm good for tonight. You want to. You want to take us out. Uh, yeah. Let's see. Uh, that wraps up the. Uh, oh, I'm so stoned. I'm gonna get through it. I'm gonna get through it, bud. That's gonna wrap up this broadcast for the evening. Thank you for joining us. Uh, I had it for a second. Now I lost it. If you want to get in touch with, oh, oh, music, 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 <laughs> Purple Planet, Carl Casey, at White Bat Audio. Thank you for the use of your music. Uh, do you want to get in touch with us? Yes, we want to live in your haunted house. Contact <laughs> Spooky Brian and Eric at gmail.com. We're on Twitter at Brian and Eric Pod. We have a blog. 
It's Brian and Eric dot show. We can't talk about Paracon yet. <laughs> no, we can't. Don't even mention it. <laughs> Never mind. Um, that's it. Thanks, everybody. For both of us here at Brian and Eric, don't belong here. Stay safe out there. <laughs> Good night. <laughs> I think you should get you should eat an edible before every episode.